1: Hi there, and welcome to Stock Club, a podcast brought to you by My Wall Street. I'm Mike, and joining me in today's episode are Anne-Marie and Emmett from the My Wall Street Analyst team. We're doing something a little different on this week's episode as we analyze MIT's 10 breakthrough technologies for 2023. Taking an investor's point of view, we break down each item on the list in terms of investability. We also throw in an elevator pitch at the end, highlighting our favorite company that is applying these technologies today. Enjoy. Emmett, Emery, welcome to another episode of Stock Club. How are we all doing today? Doing good. Earnings season, really enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. In great spirits for. Eyes and Horizon going out this week with about 10 earning reports on it, fair play. Cool. <laughs> well,
2: fair play to you, Mike. Uh, as as you well know, it's a team effort and it's uh, a lot of writing, a lot of listening, a lot of reading, a lot of assimilating. So uh, yeah, at least it only happens four times a year for every company
1: we'll ever talk about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least in Europe. They only, do it a, they only do 200 reports a year in Europe, isn't it? Yeah. Mm, in the UK, well... Mm. They take it easy on us at least. They do. Yeah. Once a year. Should
2: be once a year. This quarterly race is just crazy. I mean, it puts so much overemphasis and heat on the short term and distracts from the long term. So we're in this constant 12 week cycle and getting measured on how did we do in the last 12 weeks. And that's just nonsensical when you're trying to build a multi-generational business.
0: Do you actually think that they should only report once a year or is this you trying to lighten your load? (laughs)
1: yeah it is it's me (laughs) there's there's two things playing there the other thing is though like if you have a really dodgy company and they only have to report once a year there's a lot that can be done in the meantime you know what
2: i mean yeah well the the company that i'm gonna pitch next in horizon i was just telling you guys about before we went live is just unbelievably cash efficient and it has four business units of which three are just massively profitable and i noticed that their last shareholder's letter is about 10 months old. Now, of course, I opened up their last quarter report and did all my own maths on how the business economics and unit economics improved. But there's an absence of a narrative, which I would have liked to have had the CEO tell me what's going on.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think, is it Warren Buffett, the the Berkshire investor relations page is like from 1995. Jesus. Never updated. It's just like <laughs> blue links and Times New Roman and that's it. It's the most basic lo- web page you can ever see. It, it
0: looks like you built it on Microsoft Word and then set it live and just walked yeah. away.
1: Mm. <laughs> I, yeah. but I, I think he's sending a message there. because well, I think Warren Buffett's also of your impression to try to get rid of the quarterly earnings reports.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. Many years ago, and I mentioned this I think in last week's podcast where we were talking about the restaurant industry, I invested in a business called Blagari Holdings. And it's run by a guy called Sardar Blagari and he's the founder CEO and I guess fancies himself as a Warren Buffett and in fact he used to do these shareholder letters which very much mimicked Warren Buffett's style. And in fact the ticker for Blagari Holdings is BH Berkshire Hathaway. So it very much took a um, an approach that was pure Berkshire all the way with one exception, which was the capital efficiency. And uh, the business itself is still around and I, I haven't checked it in a long time, but the backstory of that business and the goings on and how people perceive the facts of the business was such an interesting story that I'll try and regurgitate the facts on another podcast. But it really is A fact that people look at Berkshire and go, I want to do that. I want to do exactly what what Warren and Charlie did uh, for so many decades. But actually replicate it with with effectiveness is an incredibly difficult thing to do. And just bring it right back up to the top. I believe the business that I'm about to pitch, well, actually, it's going to be the month after next. um, But the business that I will pitch in Horizon has absolutely nailed it.
1: Good. I like the sound of that. Um, are we ready to get into this episode? So we're mm-hmm. doing go something. On, a so bit, we'll Go on. So we're uh, <laughs> we're doing something a bit different from our regularly scheduled programming. Emmett, do you want to do you want to set our listeners up because this is your idea? Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's a big undertaking. So every year, uh, the MIT Technology Review picks ten technologies. That they say matter the most right now. Many, many of which you'll have considered in your day-to-day life, and a couple that I'm absolutely certain will be new to your thinking. And I usually spend some time with the list when it's published because it's out to, you know, it's out to do uh, what we're out to do here and look for advances that are having a big impact on our lives, and you know, break down why each one matters. So, as you said, Mike. Uh, we thought it'd be fun (laughs) and interesting to talk through the 10 technologies and maybe even score them. So how about we pitch them to each other, have a short debate, and following each debate, we score on a scale of 10 from an enthusiasm for the topic from an investment perspective. So how willing would you be uh, to invest in this as a team, on a scale of 1 to 10 which everyone understands. Okay. So yeah, and we I think we have to go easy on each other because we're not only airing opinions on bleeding edge businesses and technologies <laughs> we've to do 10 of them in 14 minutes so I really hope it can pull
1: this off. Yeah, and just the, the qualifiers <laughs> now, I'm far from an expert in semiconductor architecture or genomic <laughs> editing. Um, so, Well, you
2: have a few <laughs> minutes to get there until we start talking about
0: Get the it. Wikipedia up, Mike, quick. <laughs> Very quickly, yeah. yeah.
2: How about we kick off with you, Anne-Marie? You take the first of the 10.
0: All right. So first up is a is a technology we've certainly talked about in the past, but is now closer to home than ever before, CRISPR, but specifically CRISPR for cholesterol, which marks the first time the gene editing tech is being used for a widespread ailment rather than a niche genetic issue. Emmett, you've been a, a long-term CRISPR fan. Um, mm. This probably got you a bit excited to see it.
2: Oh yeah, I'm a huge fan of the life-changing potential of CRISPR. And as you guys know, I pitched my favorite player in the Space and Horizon and I invested in it too. And it this I mean this technology is tantamount to science fiction when you hear about it first. And it offers the opportunity for us to de-extinct unextinct or de-extinct certain species of creatures. Um and the tech has the potential to improve the life of any living creature that suffers from a genetically inherited disease. And from my research in the area, there are uh, 59 companies fully or partially dedicated to the science advancement. So there's a kind of a list of names that we've often discussed amongst ourselves and one that I isolated in Horizon. But for those who are new to the tech, uh, it is effectively cut and paste uh, for genes in your body. And I think the first big ailment that that was conquered was sickle cell anemia, that was called for? Mm -hmm.
1: Sickle cell and beta thalassemia, I think is the full title, yeah.
2: Exactly. Well, well, last year a New Zealand woman became the first to receive a gene editing treatment to permanently lower her cholesterol. Uh, The woman had heart disease along with an inherited risk for high cholesterol, but scientists behind the experiment think it could pretty much help anybody. So this is really, really space-age technology. And there's CRISPR 2.0 and CRISPR 3.0. So CRISPR 2.0 uh, relies on a form of gene editing called base editing. And then CRISPR 3.0 allows scientists to insert chunks of DNA into a genome um, and in turn kind of allow allow medical professionals and t- scientists replace disease-causing genes. But one thing is certain. Um when a previously incurable disease is being cured on mass or you know at least regularly with CRISPR 2.0 or CRISPR 3.0 the investing world will pour capital into the technology at a rate that's going to make today's levels look small. And it's happening. I mean there's 59 companies at a very advanced stage with this technology and as you guys know like the Nobel Prize, I think the year before last, was won by two ladies. One was called um, Emmanuel Charpentier and the other was called Jennifer Doudna. Jennifer Doudna, Doudna. yeah. Thanks, That's, That's, Jennifer Doudna.
1: been contested now as well because I think there's a guy in Harvard who kind of came up with it simultaneously. At the same time, there's, there's questions over... Um, the original patents and stuff
2: that's right that yeah. is right that's been quite the battle and it's a very complex battle i was yeah. aware it was raging but like there's an awful lot of battles on the CRISPR, uh battlefield so to speak because it really is the most one of the most disruptive technologies mm,
1: yeah i have an, an an analogy for um this particular application of it so for CRISPR for high cholesterol and i'm comparing it to uh AI and the chatbots, the generative chatbots that we've seen all go crazy in the last two months. So CRISPR has been around for a long time, but it's always been kind of seen as a distant admiration, maybe, shall we say? Mm. Like it's groundbreaking Mm. technology and the implications and potential, it's all there, but it hasn't really gained true impactful status. But if you're seeing like the number one cause of death is heart disease, if CRISPR yeah. can genuinely provide mm. maybe we won't say a cure, but a therapy for the number one cause of death. This is what kind of gives it mainstream attraction and status and stuff. Mm. That's kind of almost the consumer facing application yeah. of CRISPR for this. So yeah. That's right. That's right. I'm very, very excited by this. Um, what's the the name of the company? Is Verve? Verve. It's Verve. Yeah, Verve. I need yeah, a very nearly kind of pitched that one furs. for Horizon. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 the furthest along, but as you said, there's so many mm. companies in this space. I think one of the best ways to actually play the CRISPR trend if you are interested in this is the Arc um Genomics ETF. I think the ticker symbol is ARC G. cuz yeah, right. as you said, it's incredibly busy and competitive and out of those 59 companies in 10 years, I'm not sure would you say 10 are still standing? that be a fair. Yeah, assumption? I think th-
2: I think that would be a good I think that'd be a good innings. So, look, we've got 10 of these companies to whip through, <laughs> these technologies. So, <laughs> Way here over we over on our first one. Right. Mike, what would you score CRISPR out of 10 from an investability perspective?
1: I would go with a strong eight because I love the team, but I think it'd be very hard to pick individual companies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly same here. I'd score 8 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, let's get this show moving because we spent about ten minutes on our <laughs> first one. Um, so number two on the list then is AI that creates images. So we just mentioned AI and how it's been the talk of the town for the last three months. But beyond chatbots, with I think the next step for that is AI tools that can create visual images and impressive artworks. And there was a fellow in Colorado who won the Colorado State Fair annual art competition with an AI tool, which is problematic in itself. But um, what are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on this form of generative AI?
0: Yeah, I'm quite interested in it because I don't know what the implications are going to be for artists. And so rather than kind of Pursuing a, an individual company because I do think uh, similar to what we just discussed, highly competitive, lots of players in the fields here. I'm kind of waiting to see what's going to happen with a lawsuit that's currently going on in the United States. It was only filed at the beginning of January, so this is very early days. But it's essentially a collective of artists that um, used to publish on a website called Deviant Art, which is a quite well-known hosting site where you know if you're kind of a an up-and-coming artist, you need a place to post art and help people view it and interact with your audience. That's kind of where you go. And there was um an an artist who published work there. She's been doing so for for 10 plus years. And then one day Deviant Art turned around and said, Hey, we're we're gonna launch an AI tool, which for a subscription, you can go on to DeviantArt and you can ask it to to generate art. But what DeviantArt failed to mention is the reason that they could set up an image-generating AI tool is because they had been fed with images from original artists for the last 10 to 15 years, and they had access to all this data. And that meant that artists realized that if you go onto DeviantArt and you type in, hey, generate me an original image in the style of this specific artist – Deviant Art is going to collect a bunch of images together from this artist and generate you a new one, but in a way that you can still definitely tell where direct references are coming from the artist's past work. And so that's meant that a collective of artists who posts on Deviant have gotten together and said, hey, like this is a violation of our copyright. We own the copyright of this image. So if you're, you know, taking almost directly a single element of it, surely that should be protected. And this is kind of the first time this technology is being challenged in um, – in In a courtroom. So it, I think it's going to be a pretty important decision that is probably going to set the stage for how this technology is going to advance. Um, we talked about that a little bit with chat GPT in the past that, um, y- you know, you probably have a bit more leeway with language, like it's harder to prove, hey, that AI chatbot is after taking this whole sentence from me because, you know. It's that classic thing of if you put if you lock monkeys in a room they could write Hamlet. I think with images it's a bit more difficult to to get there. So um, that's going to be kind of what I will be doing for this space. I'm going to be watching um, this lawsuit. But I suppose the the kind of easiest place to maybe get a bit of exposure to this and the most realistic place that you'll get exposure to this, particularly because we keep saying, oh, you know, AI might not force digital artists to not have jobs. Really good digital artists are just going to use it to improve their work. Um, actually, one of the Easiest and probably safest ways you get exposure to that is by owning Adobe, because Adobe for the last several years has been uh, adding AI features to Photoshop to kind of do the mundane tasks that are super annoying for artists, like removing like an object from a background. They now have an AI tool that's gotten pretty good at doing stuff like that. So, you know, if you're an artist, that probably saves you a solid day of going around with your tool and cutting it out. So I think stuff like that is probably going to be realistically where AI will be using really for the next probably two to three years. But um, um, I'm this sure. Fortune magazine, for which is goes. actually
2: this month's for, Fortune magazine. And the op-ed from the editor, she's the, the headline of the piece is the AI Meteor is coming and we are not prepared. And it's a very, very interesting op-ed piece. She's on her way home from Davos in a plane and kind of reflecting on what she saw over there. And there's a dedicated piece in the magazine that basically says this is the next giant thing we've been waiting for. So I do recommend that people get their hands on this week's magazine and have a read of it. But when it comes to images, uh, I suppose you have to think, as you said, Amory, of Getty and Adobe and those kinds of companies. I don't know, but I am not excited about it as an investment. I don't like AI moving to something that I believe should remain uniquely human. And we spoke a couple of weeks ago I'm about the, an ethical line and it being a very personal thing and I do like the case that you said where it takes the mundane task and makes it easy so cutting around a shape or whatever but I don't like AI moving into the creation of art because I, I, just, I just don't think that that is art um, and of course the whole debate of what is art could be opened up but for me it's something I'm not excited about
0: yeah what would you what is it out of 10 for you
2: I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a four. What about you, Emery?
0: I was, yeah, going to say the exact same thing about a four. I think it'll be interesting to see exactly what you said, how it's going to, you know, speed up the process of animation for someone at Pixar. But I don't want to see the movie that an AI generates all on its own. It'll probably be just weird and it'll take direct quotes from Toy Story or something like that.
2: And what would you score, Mike? Let's, let's, what would you score AI, Uh, uh, AI art?
1: I think you're kind of. I don't know underestimating a small bit i'd I'd go mm-hmm. higher seven maybe I think there could be a future where literally like you do you know how recommendations engines work now where you they're based on all mm-hmm. your interests yeah. and they give you a content that you like imagine that in a i form where you type in your top four movies and a and a director you like and a style you like and it creates a new movie just for you based off that like consumption the- could go from mass consumption to incredibly individual.
0: But potential. isn't the point of art to like expose you to new things. So, you know, cause sometimes you'll see a movie that you never expected to like, and it'll just blow your mind. You'll be like, wow, I'm really glad that I heard this recommendation or someone told me to go see that.
1: Yeah, that's true. But I also think people create echo chambers for a reason. Yeah. Isn't yeah. Mm. Okay. Let's call time. By the way,
2: uh, Anne-Marie, let's keep a score from all three of us on each technology. So before we push on, CRISPR out of 10 what would you give it i've got a pen and paper here eight. and i'll call out the winner eight, you give yeah. it eight as well yeah, yeah okay what's next so uh will i move forward mm-hmm. yeah all right okay so number three in mit reviews uh list was a chip design that changes everything and the chip industry is really undergoing a profound shift manufacturers have long licensed chip designs from just a few big firms. And now this popular open standard, which is called RISC-V, which is written as V Roman numerals five, is upending like these power dynamics and it's making it easier for anyone to create a chip. And a whole load of startups are exploring the possibilities. So guys, where are you on this?
1: This is uh this is a harder one for me to get my head around because it's quite technical and granular compared to yeah so much of these ideas are big narratives and stories and it, it makes sense kind of in the ether but this is very much on the front lines kind of thing so um I it, it could be for my lack of knowledge it could be the most important uh technology in here um I think Deloitte predicted that the number of risc 5 processors would double in 2022 and then double again in 2023 um and from what i've read on it it seems to very much democratize
3: mm-hmm.
1: the kind of chip manufacturing so what was held back was the designs by intel and arm and now kind of any small fry can go and create custom chips exactly what they need Mm. from them instead of either spending a lot of money to customize it or buying the ones off the shelf and having to do the work themselves. So in that perspective, I think you would look at any smaller company in this space doing something interesting that has now been given this big advantage and is kind of working in a much more of a meritocracy than it was before. Um, There's Mm. a couple of private companies uh doing a lot in this space uh ventura microsystems uh tens Tarant, and Rivos, rivos uh the last one there Rivos is actually being sued by apple at the minute so you know they're doing <laughs> something right <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah i think this is interesting it's kind of like open uh it's kind of like uh what do you call it open source software basically but mm-hmm. in hardware you nearly say yeah
2: Totally. And sorry, Anne-Marie, before I hand over to you, like even in the telecom space, there's a thing called Open RAN. So for years and years and years, like Nokia and then Ericsson would build base stations and all the switching equipment and an open source equivalent came along called Open RAN, which had a few rocky years to begin with. But now it's a kind of a reality. And I think risk five for me is analogous to, to that particular shift, if you like, to open source. Anne-Marie, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I actually do think it's 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 going to be quite big, and I kind of formed that opinion by I went looking to see like what Intel was doing. You know, Intel is the big chip player in this space. You know, they must see this coming. Think that's going to decimate our advantage within this market. It essentially makes all of their patents worthless within the next you know five to ten years if this is the way technology is moving. So, um, I went and had a look at, at what they're doing in this space, and in 2018 they did invest in a Risk Five chip designer. Um, but then it was kind of last year where it all was unveiled that um, a, a Intel was going to sign on as joining the RISC-V International, which is the nonprofit that's basically um, hoping to coordinate all these companies and push for this idea of an international standard for chips. Um, and Intel also invested $1 billion into an innovation mm. fund for this technology and um, and it kind of seems like that they're hoping that this is going to be their second act. They've announced that there's an Intel Foundry Services, which will be focused on creating these RISC-V chips. And it seems like they're kind of saying, listen, if this is the way tech is moving, we can manufacture this tech. You know, they're, at the end wow. of the day, it seems that they're like, if new businesses, if smaller businesses are going to take advantage of this, that means that we can have more customers and they're going to have to buy those chips from somewhere. So we're hoping that it's us. So, you know, to see a massive player in this space moving so rapidly and putting in such a significant investment um, is... It makes me think that yeah, this is this could be huge.
2: Wow. By score out of ten. Mike, what are you gonna go? I'll go with the nine. Yeah. Wow. I'd go with a nine. Hmm. I was only gonna give it six, but <laughs> I'll stick with my guns. I'm going to give it six. We, we, can't,
1: okay. we can't say they all the same thing. No, time. this is
2: true. I, and you know, like the thing about anyway, let's not keep debating it. Let's push on. I'll go with the next one again because it's so easy to discuss. So I just yeah. p- pitched a question at you just as the cinch mass market military drones. Um, so for decades, high end precision strike American aircraft, like the Predator and the Reaper, they totally dominated drone warfare. Then along came this horrible war in Ukraine and low budget models and equivalents are coming from China, Iran and Turkey and other places. And the widespread use has changed basically how drone combat is waged and who can wage it. Um, So there's all these off- the shelf, if you like, drones and uh, quadcopters, uh, like such as the DJI, and and uh, they're out there now, and others such as like a thirty thousand dollar Iranian-made exploding drone, which Russia used to uh, attack civilians in Kiev. Uh, they're they're capable of long-range missions, and they are affordable. So this is one of the hot thre- trends that that MIT has emerged, has identified. Over to you guys.
0: Um. Well, interestingly, actually, when I did my master's dissertation, um, the topic that I chose um, was aerial bombardment theory, which is the idea of how do you – like, is it possible to effectively target civilians from the air? And not only is it ethical, but is it an effective military tactic?
2: Emory Marie Kingsland, you get more interesting yeah. with time. You're <laughs> like this incredible like intellectual fine wine. It's like you did what now? Yeah. it's like, oh yeah, it's while I was living in Japan. I it's like, hold on, blah, blah, blah back up the bus. We'll get to Japan in a minute. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Amory. So yeah. tell us, what did you learn?
0: So yeah, so for like two years I studied during the kind of growing of initial air forces between like the First World War and the Second World War, how this technique became really important for air forces justifying the like their growth and their investment um and basically how it came to the point in the second world war where everyone was like we should just bomb all the cities that's a good idea that should be an effective tactic um interestingly after the war they did huge amounts of civilian surveying to figure out did this work and it doesn't Uh, targeting civilians in warfare doesn't work um tends to be it mainly just hardens people against whoever their enemy is um so unless you're actually hitting strategic targets as in like unless you're hitting a like a, a factory or a train depot or something like that something that's going to impact your ability to move weaponry towards a front or something like that that's the only way that this type of bombing is uh is effective so it's this kind of weird space where you're going well we know the military tactic isn't effective and yet militaries all over the world use it and it's funny because you know we had these surveys at the end of the second world war that was 1945 and then they used carpet bombing in Vietnam so it seems to be this thing that like militaries just come back to this tactic all the time so from that perspective like it's a zero, I suppose, in terms of investment because it's a horrible ethical line. And then also, you know, at the end of the day, I don't know, like I suppose you could justify like a reconnaissance drone or maybe a drone being used for transport. But um, yeah, just from knowing it's not an effective military tactic, you know, I'm, I'm assuming hopefully maybe one day that that message will get up the the, the rank and people will stop using these. So,
1: yeah, yeah this one, this one's a straight pass for me. I think investing is very mm. personal and you can set your own your own guidelines when it comes to what we will and won't invest in. And military equipment is well beyond that line in the sand for me. I think you can look at a company like Lockheed Martin and that's been an unbelievable investment over the past 30 years, but I wouldn't personally want to own it. There are enough great businesses out there. I don't think you have to support the ones that create weapons designed to kill people. So yeah, it's a a zero out of 10 for me as well.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and just to err on the side that there might be good from this technology surveillance and whatever i'm just going to give it two but i'm with you i'm only just kind of i don't know what i don't know so i'm going to give it two so it's uh, by far our lowest scoring hey look i'll hit you with another one number five on the list of 10 is abortion pills via telemedicine and as we all know abortion ceased to be a constitutional right in america in 2022 uh, and state ban now prevents a lot of people from accessing them so healthcare providers and startups have turned to telehealth to prescribe and deliver pills that allow people to safely induce abortions at home um and the the plot thickens as it always does and uh i think there's kind of it's quite a convoluted story but effectively years ago the FDA had found two pills to be safe and effective at terminating a pregnancy in the first trimester, and then by 2020 it accounted for more than half of all abortions in the US. Then at the end of 2021, the FDA made its decision permanent. So what we're finding now is legions of patients, is it? Or I don't know if it's the word customers or patients, but people who are going to telemedicine providers for this. So where are you at, guys?
1: Yeah. Um you go on
2: It's
0: it's, it's it's difficult to View these as comp like as a business. If yeah, you get as what I mean, a, because as a commercial. Mm. Yeah, because so many of the yeah. within the article that MIT published, they they list a bunch of providers, and the vast majority of them are nonprofits. So mm-hmm. they're genuinely doing this because it's it's a human rights issue. They're trying to you know service a community that's been left behind. There are women who live in states where abortion is now effectively banned, who still need to access these services for one reason or another, and so it's not exactly the place. It's kind of similar to our conversation around, should we all be buying up water rights and sitting around for the next 50 yeah. years and hoping everybody runs out of water? You're kind of like, I don't know, should we be making money off that? You know, it's yeah, yeah, worth it's probably, supporting, but. Yeah. I,
1: I, I would I'd suggest it's probably a finance podcast isn't the place for this conversation. No,
2: I agree. And I don't think we should go to a scoring out of 10. So we're going to no. give this one a pass and push no. on. Okay. No, just
1: the one thing I would say is that there was a morning last year where women in America woke up with less rights than they had the day before. And anyone, any technology or anything trying to help that, I suppose, is is, mm-hmm. is doing the right thing, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. I
0: have, I can actually say, I have a, it's it's a company that is not explicitly providing abortion pills, but there is a company that you can look into for this episode, which is GoodRx. Have you ever looked into that? In oh, yeah, yeah. 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 GoodRx is interesting because they were kind of founded with this idea of Drugs in America have become so incredibly expensive, prescription drugs in particular, that, you know, there needs to be some kind of bridge to help these consumers gain access to them. Um, And they're interesting because they're trying to, it's like 30% of prescriptions in the United States are never filled because people end up going to the pharmacy with them and finding out, oh, I can't afford this. And so GoodRx doesn't charge consumers anything. They essentially help consumers figure out what pharmacy is the cheapest and like what's an uh, an alternative for this prescription drug that I have that I could go get from, you know, CVS or whatever. Um, And they make money from advertising, from basically being the referral system between you and a drug company or you and a pharmacy. And you know, that is somewhat a public company that's helping to fix this issue of like how do Americans access healthcare because it has become so expensive. Mm. But I don't know, I still it's it reminds me a lot of hims and hers where you're just resentful of this idea of this company attempting mm. to make money from the fact that the healthcare system in the US has become so mm-hmm. so expensive and burdensome for people to to make their way through. So yeah, that was kind of my only close investment okay. opportunity.
2: Let's push on to one, um, I don't know if, say if it's, well, let's just say it's Organs on Demand. So this is the sixth of 10 teams that MIT called out. And every day, an average of 17 people in the United States alone die awaiting an organ transplant. And these people could be saved and loads of others helped by a limitless supply of healthy organs. So scientists are genetically engineering pigs whose organs could be transplanted into humans and also 3D printing lungs using a patient's own cells. Now, I, before I hand it over to you, um, I saw this technology in action uh, in a former life where I visited the founder and CEO of 3D Systems in um Is it Red Rock in North Carolina? Sorry, but I didn't 3D systems and it really is incredible. But I have been looking at 3D printing for 15 years and I don't know, I'm still not there now. I've kind of gone less warm on it. Anyway, organs on demand. What
1: do you think? Yeah, this one is, um, it's really interesting because I suppose when technology and commerce and, you know, the world's problems kind of coalesce into something you have to, there has to be a future in that, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? If if, if everything is advancing towards the one solution, I guess. So any, any kind of company or technology in general that is trying to solve one of these major health problems in the world is obviously going to be a good thing. And you've mentioned there, it's essentially bioengineering pig hearts, but it's much further than as well. They're even into the process of cultivating own tissue from scratch and as you said, the 3D printing as well. So it's wild that the developments that are being made in the healthcare industry and the potential we could see in terms of fighting off disease and congenital de- defects, even in the next 10 years, to mind twenty thirty. Um, Yeah. And then in terms of investability, I think a lot of the businesses we're mentioning here are quite risky and they might be story stocks, I would say. So um, two companies I want to give a shout out to are kind of biomed stalwarts and that's Medtronic and Boston Scientific. So especially anyone in Ireland will know all about these two companies, about the two of them hire about half of Galway. Um, <laughs> but they're two master companies and obviously they do so much more than just artificial organs, but they are, do have branches in this. Um, if you're actually interested, Medtronic published a piece as far back as 2017 in which it predicted the rise of what they call bioartificial organs. So, Yeah, they would be the two kind of ways I would, I suppose, play this. If you are very interested in this type of technology,
0: yeah, Mm -hmm. I went, I went down a similar road, which is, I, I was like, maybe the company for you if you're interested in this type of thing. But again, because the medical side of things is risky, because there are so many players in the game right now, and we don't really know which tech is going to end up being the one that can actually come to market. You know, it it might be ones where they're taking pig cells and, um, you know, removing. An element of them so it could be accepted by a human, but it could also be, yeah, them printing, um, you know, hearts in some kind of 3D printer. And 3D Systems does have a little bit of a foot in this game, very tiny one, which is that they own Alive A-L-L-E-V-I, which is formerly called Biobots. And they bought them a while ago, like back in 2018, something like that, um, for – Like, a small amount of money and, like, according to estimates, Ali annual revenue is about $1.9 million. So it's really, like, not doing anything in terms of, like, bolstering 3D systems. Um, But at least with 3D systems, you would have the assurance of, well, this tiny investment is being – at least bolstered by more secure revenue segments. But even then, I remember looking at 3D systems maybe last year when 3D printing was kind of on everybody's mind and everyone thought, oh, we're going to 3D print our houses and all this type of thing. And and even then, like e- even within – like the 3D printing of plastics. The market is still really up for a competition right now. There's no kind of loyalty in terms of, you know, it's not a razor and blade model. You're not buying the machine and then you have to continually go back and buy the same plastic filament. It, like it's just the wild west. So it's very, very difficult to to get to a point um, where you're comfortable with an investment in this space, but it is still really cool in terms of it's definitely gonna impact how we live in the next 10 to 20 years. And I do have to give a shout out to, Um, this theme because when I was doing research on transplants, I actually came across another transplant company that is not like in the 3D printing space, like it's not going to be producing yeah. hearts in 20 years, they, but they, is more... steel
1: steal organs from live people yeah. or something.
0: Like <laughs> the black yeah. market is what I would like to pitch today. Um, I found no. them
1: on something called the dark web. And... <laughs> um,
0: no, but I found, I came across a company which might actually make its way into charging and fearless um, because I was co- so impressed by it. But they're a company that's basically focused on the process of helping to keep the organs alive before they make, make their way into their recipient apparently there's like a huge like loss gap there where you know they have an organ an organ ho- harvested and for one reason or other it dies before it gets to um the patient that needs it
2: okay guys scored out of 10 um, as an investable opportunity
0: six and a half. Mm-hmm. A five, solid five Five. yeah
1: five for me too yep. okay that charging and fearless plug comes at a good time because now is the time to plug charging and fearless. um we're three weeks into our newsletter that those out a brand spanking new stock pitch every week we promise this is going to be the most valuable 30 seconds you'll spend in your inbox so to sign up for charging and fearless for free and receive our latest stock pitch just sign up from the link in our show notes
0: Yeah, the next, next one is uh, should be an easy one. It's uh, it's electric vehicles. Um, sales have slowly been taking up the last couple of years, and uh, now it seems that they're soaring. Emission-free cars and trucks will likely account for 13% of all new auto sales globally in 2022, up from 4% just two years earlier. That's pretty impressive. So um, I want to hear your thoughts on this, and you get no points for pitching Tesla. <laughs> None at all.
2: Mm. It's going to be tough. mm
1: yeah i mean there's no real questioning this trend is there i i think out of the 10 in this list it's it's definitely the most obvious and developed i'd have to say wouldn't you agree on it
2: oh entirely i've driven an ev for a few years and i've been a shareholder and one that i'm not allowed to mention for ages and ages so on the product adoption curve uh which can be seen with a three-second google We've crossed a chasm like California last year announced that electric car sales represented 18% of new cars in the state compared to 6% for the whole of the United States. And then when you go, you know, just up and over a bit from here in Ireland, in Norway, it's 80%. So 80% of new cars, four out of five in Norway are electric. So the debate about if and when EVs happen is long over. And I think the last mass market challenge that I see is... Range anxiety and the time it takes to charge up versus mm. pulling into a service station it's and nearly, just filling it up.
1: It's nearly an infrastructure question as much as
2: uh, it is, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I mean, uh, my favorite is I can't I'm not even say I'm, I can't even. I've been kind of. I'm, I've been gagged. <laughs> yeah. I'm not go out ahead, saying Go ahead, say it. <laughs> You're being censored out. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with the OG, of course, Tesla, for all the reasons we've discussed before. First mover advantage, billions of miles driven and recorded, and then new price points for the masses. But from an industry perspective, it's a clear 9 out of 10 for me.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I... Um, hmm. I, I'm not as bullish as I, I think. I still think it's quite a hypey industry. And mm-hmm. I, as similar to what we were just talking about with CRISPR, I don't think there's going to be as many public EV companies now as there will be. Like there, there will be a lot less in 10 years' time than there is now. A lot will fail. There'll be a lot of consolidation. But when everybody else catches up, I'm talking about the legacy car makers and stuff, this advantage of a pure play will erode. So I think there'll be tighter margins, prices will go down, and that'll be less profits for the current mm. leaders so i'm not questioning ev adoption but i might see it as a bit less investable but that being mm. said i have kind of an out there um pick and shovel play for a way of playing it and there are two public companies and they're lithium producers called Albermile, <laughs> Albemarle. The ticker symbol is ALB, and Livent. the ticker symbol is LTHM. So lithium is in drastic need for the lithium-ion batteries that power EVs. There's estimates that the demand for lithium will increase by 20 times by 2050. So those two lithium producers kind of act as a pick-and-shovel play. If you don't want to mm-hmm. pick one horse in the race, you can kind of bet on bet on the whole race, basically
2: yeah and I hold that thought because that's one of the ten themes I think or at least you're kind of encroaching into one of the other yeah. ten themes from mm-hmm. MIT. So what would you score it out of ten Mike
1: uh, six what about you amory
0: yeah i do you know what I was like at a like an eight or a nine, and then i when Mike brought up the idea of it might be you know in ten years' time it could be like owning Ford stock right now where you're kind of like, well, she's just shuffling along, so maybe a seven for investability. I'm
1: glad to have talked you down, Amory.
0: Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Mike, pitch one to us. we have to give eight? us your rating for uh, EVs. Oh, I said nine. Oh, nine. sorry, said I'm nine. I'm at nine. Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, next up then, we have the James Webb Telescope, which is maybe the coolest thing on this list, but also maybe the least commercial. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, a $10 billion telescope launched into space is pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, mm. it's a hundred times more powerful than its predecessor, the Hubble telescope and astron- astronomers and space stations are hopeful. The technology will be able to tell us more and more about the origins of the universe. Mm. As, I think this is one for our curious listeners. I'm not sure if it's investable, but uh, where does the James Webb telescope fall on, on your respective lists?
0: Well, I went looking, I was like, what's a telescope company? And, uh, I'll tell you, there's not many. You could go for uh, you could go for Nikon because they make, but they make like consumer telescopes, like the ones that you'd like have out on your porch to look at the stars occasionally. Um, and Nikon isn't actually the most impressive company when I had a look at their financials; they're just kind of no. chugging along. So, yeah, you know, not great. I mean, do you know who? It was interesting to 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 read in the MIT article they talked about. Oh, um. It will allow us to view universes so far away from us we've never been able to see before. And I was like, do you know who would really benefit from this is whatever company launched all those ships in WALL-E to like send them to a new world (laughs) after we ruined this one. So that would be where I would invest if it existed in real life.
1: All right. Fair enough. Uh, Emma, what are your thoughts on the James Webb telescope?
2: Yeah, the amount of technology in that thing is mind blowing and it will give you know, unprecedented insights into the planets and other solar systems and allows us to work out, you know, you know what their atmospheres are made of and where we should head for when this beautiful planet of <laughs> ours is completely caught fire. But um, as as you said, like, I feel the commercial applicability uh, for us, you know, why we're here is stuck on Earth is, you know, there's none that i can see um i suppose if getting behind scientific and space agency advancement was the aim of investing this would be a very big deal but i'm afraid i just can't see a dotted line between the james webb and
1: our portfolios yeah i don't think we need ratings for this one Um, right skip yeah so next up then i think this is going to be along similar lines uh it's advancements made in ancient dna analysis so Another one with less commercial applications, but still a very interesting breakthrough. The advancement in genomic sequencing has allowed research to researchers to analyze incredibly old strands of DNA. It's actually teaching us a lot more about human history than we thought we knew. So they discovered two new human um, human ancestors. species. Ancestors. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what's the verdict on ancient DNA? DNA analysis, and is there a way for investors to access this field at all?
2: yeah, I think it's interesting because mit presented the techno the technology from an academic perspective mostly, and they said like unraveling ancestral mysteries with DNA opens up actionable insights and it was very um lofty kind of explanation but last year, through the use of this technology, scientists identified a single mutation from an ancient sample that they'd taken, I think it was from somewhere around Rome, that made people 40% likelier to to survive the Black Death. And the reason that was interesting is because it's also a risk factor for autoimmune issues like Crohn's disease. So there is very much a ribbon from this ancient insights right through to today. And when you combine these new discoveries from truly ancient samples and combine them with modern medicine, like CRISPR for example, it feels like uh, we're assembling the edges on a 3D jigsaw puzzle. So if you think about it, if our ancient ancient ancestors had a higher likelihood of surviving Black Death, but that very gene causes problems with autoimmune issues today, we're starting to build this very big and complex picture. Of the human genome type and the things we can do to kind of resolve issues that we suffer from.
1: Yeah, fascinating. Mm. And marie do you imagine that?
0: Uh, my, yeah, I, my thoughts were kind of along the same thing. Of like, it's super cool, um, but not super investable at the, at at the minute. I mean, it's probably going to be some part of some niche, interesting medical research for the next couple of years, and. I don't know. Maybe we'll Jurassic Park ourselves into some kind of situation. So you know, there's the what are they? Colossus Biosciences is that company that's attempting. I don't know if attempting is the right word. They are considering trying to reanimate dodos and woolly mammoths, and I suppose that's kind of along the same lines, ancient DNA and all that. But um, yeah, not not super investable, but super interesting and really mm. cool.
2: Yeah. Well, twenty three and Me went uh, public fears back. As yeah. far as I recall, uh, they, so I'm yeah, sure they they're going to
1: interesting stuff around big data sets and and, and, and like uh, prone to diseases and stuff, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I'm actually going to talk about them later. I have I've got some
2: mm. info on them. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Well, I've been a long time customer of Twenty Three Me. I agonized for ages. Should I give these guys my my genetic information? I went, to oh, what the hell? So I I went with Twenty Three Me. I went with Circle DNA. I went with all of them mm. and compared notes from all the different insights. And it really is for a couple of them very actionable. It's a it's a conversation unto itself. Um, but yeah, I I do like the technology mm. and I do like the fact that we can uh, glean insights uh, to human kinds Conditions today from old stuff. Yeah.
0: Do you ever have an anxiety around Twenty Three and Me that you'll do a DNA test and then it'll turn out that like one of your family members is a criminal because they've been they've, they've <laughs> one, successfully. One of them. <laughs> <laughs> they're,
1: they're called his second name is Savage. Where do you think he got that from?
2: <laughs> yeah, we're Neanderthals. We just club people yeah. to death and, and get on with it.
0: Yeah, that that's like my main concern is like you'd figure something out and you'd be like, oh. Now I gotta walk around with this knowledge. Now
2: I gotta deal with this. Yeah. Oh, I I love that stuff. I've really gotten over any anxiety about you know what you'll see, and and the more they can tell me, the better. So, what would you score, guys?
1: <sighs> Middle of the road, five,
0: four.
2: Hmm. I'm gonna go with eight. I think there's Ooh. more to it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Have we any more left? Oh, we've the last one, number ten. We have
0: one more which is connected to EVs here. It's battery recycling. So demand for lithium-ion batteries, as we said earlier, is skyrocketing. Um, but greater use of electric vehicles is, well, greater use of electric vehicles is good news for the climate. Supplies of metals needed to build battery cells are already stretched pretty thin and demand for lithium could increase 20 times by 2050. That's a lot. Um, so we need to figure out a way to recycle these batteries and use them again.
1: Yeah, I think this one might be my favorite of the list just mm. because... Just because, do you know, environmental projects need to become profitable for them to truly advance, I believe. And I think this is is the green shoots of that. And so this is why it mightn't be like the most developed at all. um, Mm. But in my eyes, it could be the most important because it represents that next stage of commerce where tackling the world's problems becomes incredibly profitable. And I think that's what's very important.
2: I couldn't agree more. It's like the ethical inverse of... Um, mass market military drones which we refused to um, grade or at least like it has some total of 2 out of 30 from our scoring mechanism I think this you're absolutely right Mike this could solve an awful lot of problems and and better humankind and our planet all at once
0: I was going to say it's that interesting idea we talk about with like ridiculous kind of love sack like the idea of a circular economy how do we get to the point where everything is just going round and round and around and remanufacturing is the new manufacturing
3: yeah mm.
2: You know, You're recycling a- facilities can now recover nearly all of the cobalt and nickel inside a battery, and eighty percent of the lithium from used batteries. And and China is actually leading the world in battery recycling today, and it has it's kind of dominated by a couple of businesses like um, Cattel, CATL, C A T L. Yeah. and i think the eu is kind of making moves to do the same
1: i was going to say i think the us isn't happy that china because this is this is a common mm-hmm. theme china is leading in kind of across the board when it comes to environmental technologies and renewable energy and stuff and i think there's going to be an awful lot to come down the pipe from this uh, inflation reduction act the huge infrastructure bill from last year mm-hmm. um so there'll be a lot of yes, companies yeah. there'll be a lot of companies in this space or in a similar industry that are Look and set the benefit. One of the companies mentioned was quite interesting. Lifecycle. Did you get a chance to look at that one? No, actually, I'm aware of it. It's um, Redwood
2: Materials and Lifecycle are kind of uh, both in the same space.
1: Yeah. So ticker symbol is L I C Y, um, and yeah, it, 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 this is what it does. It recovers materials from all lithium all ba- lithium batteries and repurposes them. Um, it just its presence in North America and I think just set up in Germany as well. And it is 100% a story stock right now. It's so mm. early on in the run, and I think losses are out. Uh, <coughs> losses count about 10x on sales. I think it did four million in revenue last quarter, and about 35 million in losses. Um, but it has almost 600 million quid in cash on hand, so it's plenty of funding to keep going for the very foreseeable future um if anyone's interested in the business i would just take a breather i think it's got a lot of room to grow Mm -hmm. before it becomes investable we'll say but um yeah it is it is a company that is that is looking to make the world a better place and the other thing is we have to recognize here that the mining practices for these metals lithium and cobalt and nickel is awful right now so if you're looking for an alternative to those Mm uh this is this will hopefully build an industry around it. Nice. Okay, so let's score it out of 10 and let's get, wrap this show. So what <laughs> would you score it out of 10, y'all? A hopeful 10 out of 10 wow. for me because wow. I want it to work mm. more yeah. so than maybe mm. the possibilities mm. of it working.
0: A solid nine with just one point taken off because it's not actionable immediately. We can't, you know.
2: Yes, yeah. and for that reason, I I don't want to augment my thoughts with what I wish for. Rather than you know, from an investment perspective, I I give it an eight because I do think it's going to go through uh, significant growth. So we've an eight, nine, and a ten. So before we move on, how about we just I tot up the score here, and we have a clear winner. Um, so when we tot up all our scores, in first place we have battery recycling with a sum total of twenty seven, and then we have a joint second and third with CRISPR and um, Risk v So the 10 themes we discussed, we've battery and number one, battery recycling, CRISPR and RISC-V.
1: Sounds, Sounds good. Right. Yeah. Mm. Okay, let's go invest. Very what else have we to talk about? Uh, no, <laughs> yes. let's just, we'll finish with an elevator pitch. So we mentioned about 20 companies in the last hour. So just <laughs> pick your favorite. You don't even have to do a pitch because it's already mentioned, but pick one mm. out of whatever we've said. I already okay, you prepared oh, a yeah.
0: separate pitch. <laughs> oh, i you're so. This, oh, okay. This will be really quick though, but we already, I mean, it was already mentioned, which is 23 and Me. I think that, that company is pretty interesting. Like the, the consumer facing side of it is people of America. Would you like to find out what European country, your great, great grandmother immigrated from? But, um, When you kinda have a they have a really great investor slide slide deck that I would recommend you go and have a look at. And it basically walks you through step by step. It's about sixty five slides of, hey, like we have the largest database of genetic data in the world. They like beat a bunch of genomic labs because people are so willing to give over their data and eighty percent of users say, Yeah, you can you can hold on to my DNA and, and, and use it for like building out this human genome project of understanding you know what genes cause this in terms of medical conditions um, and i think you know 10 years down the line 23 of me will be using that data and licensing it off to like medical research and that could become like a nice a nice little profit wheel for them so um Really, it's pretty interesting. It's been sold off like crazy recently. It has pretty solid revenue growth. Last quarter was up eighteen percent. It's not making a whole lot of money, like two hundred ninety to three hundred million dollars a year. Current price to sales of four x, market cap of one point two five billion. Um, but it's definitely a long term play. Like, if you think like having just possessing DNA data is probably going to be pretty, pretty important in the future, and they're really the one of the biggest players that's figured out like, Hey, a great way to get people to give you your DNA is to tell them what percentage German they are. So, yeah. Yeah. I
1: that
0: like was a
2: long 30 seconds. <laughs> Sorry.
0: I like, it's never 30 <laughs> seconds. No, Come, this played. podcast
1: is supposed to be a half an hour. It's about,
2: yeah. Oh, like, do, you remember
0: the, do you remember the build a Bear pitch that went on for 25 minutes? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Amish, what's your uh, 25 minute pitch? Um, okay. For brevity, uh,
2: I'm going to go with Verve, uh, I would nearly pitch it for Horizon and I've paused for now to get a better read on the regulatory landscape, which of course acts in all of our interests, or at least should do so. But I'm very interested in New Zealand-based Verve Therapeutics because they they really are, they appear to be on the verge of a breakthrough of something that just affects so many people.
1: Yeah, I like that. I'm going to finish with, I think, Albemarle. I think we talked enough about lithium. We've talked more about lithium in the last hour than I've ever talked, so... Yeah, I think a lithium producer is going to be very important in the future. Um, so that's my pick. I was
2: going to say Lithium Club, but that sounds like if we rebrand the podcast to Lithium Club, it just it's, doesn't it's, um, there, <laughs> be, yeah. be, It sounds like a nightclub that being, that, uh, like
0: it sounds like Opium <laughs> closed and you reopened it and called it Lithium. That's what it sounds like. <laughs>
1: mm, okay, <laughs> we're going to close it there, lads. Thank you very much for listening to this bumper episode and thanks, Amory and Em, good. for joining. What a show. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was fun, wasn't it? And <laughs> a lot of talk <laughs> okay that's it for today lads thank you very much uh, remember if you have any questions you'd like answered or elevated pitches you'd like to tackle make sure to get in touch you can find us on twitter at my wall street hq on tiktok at my wall street or simply just email us at pod at my if you're enjoying the show make sure to tell your friends about us and don't forget to leave a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on and if you want to see more from us sign up to charge interference today thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you next week